Welcome to the Restoration Church podcast, Behind the Sermon, where we get to sit in on a conversation between our pastors and hear about what they're learning, what they're teaching, and what God is doing throughout our church. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, welcome to the Behind the Sermon podcast. Uh, my name is Pastor Jeremy, and I'm here with Pastor Nathan Gagney. Hey, everybody. We, uh, together. We're releasing a little later this week. Um, cause we got to have a whole bunch of fun in Texas. Not like it was a vacation. It was actually a, quite a bit of homework and staring at a computer, taking notes. But, um, yeah, that was, that was super fun. Just want to thank you in front of everyone for including me and my wife in that. It was well, awesome. I was, yeah. I mean, you were required to go, but glad to have you. <laughs> glad to have you there. <laughs> yeah, you uh, had I mean, to. Yeah, it was training. And so it was all day meetings. And, um, we, I think we thought we were going to have more free time than we did in order to, um, record. I think the one day we we're planning on recording, we ended up with like a 45 minute break before dinner. Right. So, and then yeah. it was with, you know, it was with a bunch of people that was part of the meeting. So <clears throat> yeah, but it was fun. Recording so yeah, on a Thursday and posting it on a Thursday. On a Thursday. We're rolling. And now we have to. We said it. We're committed. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, after all that training, after all those lessons, what you preach about this <laughs> this Sunday? We, talk, we started our new series. Yeah, um, we talked free. about free. We talked yeah. about a little bit more of Dover history. The first strike by women uh, in the United States. Did you know that when? Because we talked about scripts at planning retreat, and then you had all this information. I'm like, does Pastor Nate just know Dover history so well that that was like the thing? You know, you, you, you so figured after we talked about scripts with from West Virginia, yeah, and then. Um, Pastor Victoria saw it on a placard in Dover. Oh, that's I mean, awesome. Hey, the, the girls in the textile mill used to get paid script. So then when I did research, then I found out that it was the first U.S. strike. And Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I love, um, I love the fact that when planning comes together like that, had you not thought far enough out, had the idea far enough out, had we not included other pastors, we we would have missed the whole piece of like, hey, this is local history too. Yeah. That's kind of neat that it comes into play like that. And I I think it works better than I thought. Because when I was, I feel like when I told you guys about it at planning retreat, people were like, oh, okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's a thing. That's like... uh Oh yeah, Ken Shamrock. He's totally a famous guy. Yeah. <laughs> when when he came and none of us knew who the heck he was. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought that was in so many ways, right? I thought that analogy was really powerful and really, really good. And obviously you went into um a pra- uh, obviously a practical step, but even the even more so like um, an area of Christianity that can sometimes feel like you're being forced to do something 
right? If depending on your mindset of giving. And so I feel like maybe even starting the sermon, some people might have thought, um, God's economy is harder. You know, God's economy is is harder than than everything else. And but when you broke down scripts and then went through like Satan's economy versus God's economy, it was just so good on so many different levels. I feel like it must have been hard for you to narrow down in one week. Like I, I was hearing a whole bunch of other topics, even of like, oh man, there's so much to talk about, right? Which is why you said there was like a part two. Yeah, well, we ended up fitting it all in. Yeah. Um, so we didn't cut it in half, but I could have cut it in half. Hmm. Once I was rolling, I'm like, I was just afraid if I cut it in half that it would lose the momentum of it. But something that stood out to me in it was, because I think some people would disagree with me. Like Satan's a bad boss and he's going to hold you down. And we're like, okay, Sure. <laughs> But that's yeah. where that point, he's either going to hold you down or he's going to promote you. He's going to, yeah. and just to those, Matthew, the tax collector, Zacchaeus, the tax collector. That was so great. good. Like, I, could, I could have spent a service on that. Um, but that's a lot to think about. Yeah. yeah so much to talk through from this message. <laughs> there really is. But, you know, that that we forget, you know, we try to make it understand. I think The Chosen helps, that, that, that TV series helps to help us to understand why tax collectors were so hated. Yeah, they put a lot more context into, it's not a tension you pick up on just reading the scripture without really, again, sometimes it just takes someone to say like, you ever think about this? It looked like this, which the which it doesn't really talk through that that idea. Right. Um, yeah, I think that stood out to me quite a bit as well. Like you think, you know, if if whatever sin you're in doesn't ruin your life, who whose life is getting ruined by your participating in it? Right. Right. Like. Um, yeah, all, all those things. I, I remember listening. There's, there's a pastor who is, who is like trapped. He wasn't a pastor at the time, obviously, but he was trapped in the adult film industry. And his big thing is talking about what a trap it is for the people in it. Right. And that, yeah, looking at it may not ruin your life, but it traps people in it. And you participating. And so that's, that's what stood out to me was listening to his testimony and then you talking through that of like, you're right. Like people could justify, well, this, this problem isn't hurting anyone. But you don't know how it's holding other people down. And like Satan's just like, we'll keep you safe. We'll keep you protected because you're helping me trap this other person. That's something too. Like if you think about poverty, Maybe I'll talk about this on Sunday. My message is not 100% yet, so I can change it up. <laughs> right. But poverty is a trap. I remember, you know, I talk about us being broke and, uh, and I, I really refused to get help. I just, something that I taught, something I picked up along the way was it's a wrong thing to get help. We rely on God, not the government. Mm. Um, 
but we had teenagers move in with us who were displaced from their home. And so I'm like, this is probably my permission to yeah. go get food stamps uh, because I'm, you know, there's now two more adult, essentially adult mouths to feed. Right. So we ended up during that season when they moved in. And then later when we had additional foster kids <clears throat> getting, I don't know what you call it. I don't think it's called food stamps, but getting help with food, yeah. heating assistance, electricity assistance. We had financial aid from the hospital. So mm-hmm. All of our emergency visits and all that stuff was free. And I remember we were forced with the decision. And I remember Michelle and I talking it through. We were going to have to get more poor in order to be independent. Because we were essentially like, okay, if they give me, a, if I get a pay raise or if you get a job, we're going to be worse off than we are right now because right. getting all these all things, the benefits, <laughs> all these things for free. And we were going to be worse off. And it was worse off for, I don't know how long, mm. maybe a couple of two years. It's probably not yeah. an exaggeration before we yeah. finally got where further ahead than when we were, when we were at, when we were poor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's a real thing. And I think that's a trap that Satan does to keep us in poverty. Mm. He, because there are all these benefits. And so if I get a job, well, now I lose free childcare. If I get a job, mm. now I'll have no insurance. If I get a job. And so that's, that's a, 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 a probably a, a trick that we don't ever catch on, but yeah, the trick to keep us from being, generous and from him keeping his hooks on us and keeping us from ste- stepping into God's provision. Right. Uh, because we're already provided for and we can't seem to afford to step out of that provision from the government. Right. Yeah. Cause it's a, uh, <laughs> it's Satan provides for with contingencies, right? Provides for as long as, you know, whatever it may be. Hey, pay increase. You just have to work Sundays. Versus a testimony of someone within our church running their own business. When they canceled, they they said, you know, I'm convicted. I don't want to work on Sundays because I keep booking it out of church to get my work done. I'm going to stop working on Sundays. Their business increased because it was like it's it's the opposite, right? You you take that you take that step, and then God's provision doesn't trick you into anything. And so right. Satan's is you know you get the raise, but you have to work Sunday. God is I see that you took Sundays off. I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of you. Yeah, it's like you know what I mean. Like you see that in a lot of different ways. These these ways you get stuck because you have to fall into all those contingencies. But I but I get that we had. We had both of our kids for free because then we, we were <laughs> we were rolling with that. And then it was like you get a little pay increase and all of a sudden, shoot, having a kid is <laughs> expensive now. This is yeah, this is stressful. Um yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh I'm trying to I'm trying to go through like did you 
did you get out or are you using parts that you cut out this week in next week? Can we talk about what you cut out? Um, um, maybe that's a little later, but I, but I know you were like, I think in two parter and it's not like we went until we, we didn't have a two hour service. So no, no, I got both parts in here. So I could have stopped it after the Aiken story. Yep. And, but then we went through and taught through Micah Malachi as well. And so that's the second part. I could have just ended it with Aiken with these questions and next week we'll look at ourselves and then gone into Malachi and talk through that scripture. Mm. And I think the thing about the Malachi scripture, which is unfortunate is how, how we tune it out, which I tried to slow down and get people to pay attention. Like, Oh, here we go again. Get to hear this one again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And to really listen to it. Um, so, Question then to kind of a topic to talk through. One, why why do you feel people tune that out so much? Like what, just hearing it too much, or yeah, I think I think probably hearing it too much. Um, I, I'm trying to pull up. Why do you rob God, or why do people cheat God? Right. What do you mean? When did we ever cheat? You cheated you. You robbed me when you you robbed me of tithes and offerings. You cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. Um, sorry. I have I have a question. Is what I'm trying to look through and um, because maybe it's too big of a question, but just thinking through because I know some people work through this. Um, and maybe we've we've no, we haven't talked about it in in the last couple of weeks podcast. I feel like some people gain a disconnect too from even scripture like Malachi or um, Abraham and all that is is some people decide to what do we carry into the new covenant? Like what yeah. are the things that are carried in and what are the things that are are no longer, right? Um and I don't know if someone was like, I don't know, I just don't, you know, I don't feel the need to tithe because that was an Old Testament model. Um, like, what would be what would be the lesson within that that you would give us support? <clears throat> well, I think the you can't just say because it's in the Old Testament, I don't have to right. follow it. So then they would say, well. And I and I've got some friends who are pastors who would believe this. Um, tithing was the Old Testament principle, and so we don't have to follow that Old Testament law. Um, and so, yeah, that's that. Yeah, we talked about it before, but Abraham was how many hundreds of years before the law. 400, 600 years before mm -hmm. Moses, and he tithed. Yeah. Um, Abel brought the first fruits, uh, yeah. which is how we give, right? We give our first fruits. Right. We give first before we give to the government. 
which I which I do feel like I guess that's kind of the key indicator, right? The rhythms that God has put into scripture before the law are things we should never just stop because well Jesus right now. You know what I mean? Like oh well well we have Jesus now we can we can move on. Like it's not something we stop now. So there's the Sabbath principle which some people might be all for, but then still have the same rule of, of why they shouldn't give and, you know, to all me, those things. To me, because I always heard, tithing's not in the New Testament, tithing's not in the New Testament, tithing's not in the New Testament. And then there's that scripture, and I don't, I don't remember where it is, and, um, but they're tithing off of their herb garden. They're tithing all of their, I get, 10 tomato seeds. Here's one for the temple. And Jesus says, um, should you tithe? Yes. I should. I just need to. <laughs> it's, it's scripture. Didn't you, you had a good quote from that scripture in a sermon a long time ago. Um, quit counting your dill seed, dill weed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, <know you> remember. <laughs> I was like, that should be a quote when <laughs> we post a picture of Pastor Nate. <laughs> um, so I'll read it. I mean, this, I don't know which translation to read, but New Living Translation. Um, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees and hypocrites? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So there's Jesus, red letter edition, you should tithe, yes. yes. And it was like, as soon as I read that, I don't know how old I was. I was <laughs> it was after Bible college, so 25, 26. And I'm like... Are you kidding me? Yeah. And then, and then what, what you will hear pastors say, and I don't say it because, but I'll say it now, um, is, uh, okay, you want to do it the New Testament way? Let's look at the book of Acts. They sold everything they had and had everything yeah. in common. Yeah. So that's the, if you're not going to tithe, then that's your other option. Right. Yeah. That always, um, I forget. I, I, I forget reading that really when we started going through a study of, of acts for a church function, right? We've been on like a a three-year journey of that, where it's talking a lot of the book of acts and like breaking down what they were doing. How were they adding to their numbers daily, the people that were following Jesus? And that was one of the things that popped up and, and showed up to me is I was like, man, they all in agreement decided let's just pull every ounce of resources and take care of everyone. And realizing that that was the standard for the Axe Church. Yeah. And and I was like, man, aren't aren't we kind that we <laughs> that we said let's just all agree at ten percent? That seems like we could make the kingdom move with that. <laughs> yeah. The other story in scripture 
that Paul talked, it's the Macedonian church who were in deep poverty and they were begging to give. Mm. They're, the, the Christians in Jerusalem were going through deep hardship and the Macedonians were begging to give. And Paul was writing to the Corinthians and saying, you've got the poor helping the poor and you guys are rich and you're doing nothing. Yeah. Um, and he never called them to tithe. He called them to get with it. You you were given new life generously. God generously gave Jesus. The Macedonian church is generously giving. Come on, you need to generously give. Yeah, It is a big push. Now, to follow back on your original question, the Old Testament law, they're not all equal. Um, there are three types of laws in the Old Testament. You have the moral law, which the Ten Commandments will fall into that. Mm-hmm. The, ten, the Ten Commandment, thou shalt not kill, was not started with the Ten Commandments. That, you know, yeah. hey, Cain, you That's killed your brother. Whole... Cain, you killed your brother. Yeah. You have ceremonial law, which are those, this is how you are going to worship me. According to the old, te- according to the Old Testament, this is animal sacrifice, and it has to be a yeah, and without spot or blemish, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and this is how you are: you're clean, you're unclean, et cetera. And then you have this civil law, which was things like land ownership, debt. Yep. Um, you know, someone could only be in debt for seven years, and then it needed to be forgiven. Etc. Etc. So, yeah. So we look at those, and we have to figure out: is it a moral law? Is it a ceremonial law? Is it a um, uh, the last one I said? Uh, civil. civil law. Is it one of those? And I got a point. Paying attention. What? And and so we can argue about where those are. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that I've always taught too is Christ didn't, come, when he came, he raised the standard. He didn't lower it. So yeah. he didn't come and say, okay, you've been doing 10%. So good news for you. Now you do zero. He didn't come and say, hey, you know, before you weren't, you weren't supposed to commit adultery, but now you're not even supposed to be thinking that way. Yeah. And um, and so he he's he I mean he's he challenges us to more. That, yeah, those are my thoughts on it. And then again, because I lived it and experienced it, um, I'm an advocate for it. So my friends who don't teach who teach opposites of this, they obviously don't do this, and they don't experience what I experience. And as pastor of the church and someone who's been to church a long time, I just want people to experience everything that God has for them. Yeah. So now speak to this mindset as well, unless we want to dive into something else. I'm just, I'm just thinking through mindsets that maybe people, people need to hear and, and to work through. So I got a couple in mind. <clears throat> speak to this mindset and, and maybe help teach, teach me how to talk to how to talk to people. Um, well, I, I tip generously. I, 
I, I buy things when I hear people are in need. I give, right? I give. God calls us to give. I give. When I hear of an issue with an individual, I give it to them. Um, so I don't need to, I don't need to tithe. Um, what's, what's, what's a, what, what's a way to help that mindset or, or what are some downfalls in that mindset that you might see? Um, it doesn't move the kingdom of God forward. Yeah. Um, and so when we look at tithing, it says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. It's talking about where was the storehouse. It was the, it was in the temple. Mm. And so the tithe was used to feed, clothe, and fund the priests. And um, so if everybody, the ministry wouldn't move forward without the tithe. That's how God designed it to be, to move forward. So if everybody, if we all just. We're generous people. Just, you know, we just helped our, we just gave to our neighbors you know, what would happen with churches and pastors and ministries, they would disappear. So that's, that's the system that God designed yeah. for, the, for the church, for ministers, for missionaries, for that it would come into the storehouse and then be distributed out to um, take care of the um, ministries and facilities and supplies to care for the ministers and missionaries and, uh, and leaders. And so that's why like the local, the local church, the church is the bride of Christ. Mm -hmm. And it would be wonderful for me to do stuff for my neighbor. But if I never take care of my bride, Michelle, yeah, I got to take care of my bride, Michelle first. Right. Or I take care of other people's needs. We need to take care of the bride of Christ first before we are taking care of other people's needs. Yeah. That's so good. That's, um, I don't know, maybe there's no real good connection, but that, for what I'm about to say, I think what you said is a good connection. Um, it makes me think through the mindset, even that, um, that like Judas had when he saw the the oil being poured out onto Jesus. And it was like, what a waste. We could have, we could have done exactly what I wanted with that. We could have helped the poor. We could have done this. And he's like, what? No, she's taking care of me while she has me. Like she's taking care of me. And it's like, all right, well, who's better to take care of the homeless person that will be homeless tomorrow or the hope of the world? Right. You know what I mean? And then you see now like the homeless people that, that, that will still be there after you give them money or the church that will empower and will help reach them. And, you know, I, so I think that's like one mindset that, that you made me think of is a, is a shift. Well, I've seen that post this week. Um, if you spend a hundred million dollars on a Super Bowl ad to talk about Jesus, but you don't, um, feed, feed the homeless, then there's something wrong with whatever the rest of the yeah. was. But I've been seeing that go around, and it's like, 
oh, you and your high horse reposting that and resharing that. Um, and I'm sure there's probably people in our church who have, so I'm not trying to denigrate anybody, but to think it through, that's a Judas spirit. Yeah. Judas was not concerned about poor people at all. He was concerned about his own money. And people who are trying to denigrate, now we can denigrate the actual ad and there's plenty probably plenty to talk about <laughs> in the actual ad and we don't want to be woke christians who anybody everybody goes to heaven and nobody goes to hell that's not true yeah. um but uh you know when people are like yeah. well yeah I don't know. You, you get what I'm saying. Now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, um, I think that's really good. I think the, the last thing on this, on this mindset that came, came to mind as you were talking as well for me is, um, in so many ways from, from really like the, the new Testament on the importance of the community of the church coming together, right? They, they shared all things in common because that, that makes the mission more potent. Like that makes everything much more powerful. And I always started to see this idea of like, we can try in a number of different ways to move God's kingdom forward. What we've decided, you know, as as the church is, we, we see the tithe repeated all throughout. We've decided this is the, the move forward. This is what the, the tribe of restoration is doing to try and move the kingdom forward. But it's that communal effort. And I think we have a lot of, a lot of times to think like, I am, I, am, I am part of the church or I am the church. But it's very much we are the church and you need a a core group of believers that that you're all coming together in on. I yeah. think there's something really important with that too. Like if you're a millionaire that can give a million, that's, that's great. If there are a hundred other people that can give a thousand into it as well, it still brings in such a higher impact than it just being you on your own. Let's see where this money goes. You know what I mean? It's, it's why, organizations partner together. It's why, you know, because they understand, hey, our resources combined are more powerful. So I think, I think you hurt the kingdom by trying to go at it alone because it's just like, what are you doing? You're, that's such sideways effort. Give towards this. Right. And you hurt yourself too. You hurt yourself too. Hmm. It, you know, there's a lot of ministries that we don't do in our locations because there's already people doing it in our community. So we don't need, like in Dover, we don't need an 18th food pantry. So we right. don't have it. In fact, they won't even let us have one. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> well, we looked into it. We, we looked into it. That's what I mean. We, 10 yeah. years and like, well, maybe we should. And they're like, no, yeah. there's so many. And like, yeah, yeah, okay, confirm. thank you for confirming what we thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we, um, 
you know, we're trying to, what, what can we do that only the church can do? Right. Trying to step into it in the sober home there. There isn't a faith-based sober home. Yeah. And if it is, it's, it's loosey goosey, right? It's find any high power you want. It's right. That's the ones I hear. It's if they pick Satan, (laughs) right. That coach is going to move. All right. That's, that's the one you picked. Right. So, and then there's not enough of them. So definitely. And that, but that still comes into full alignment with our church and who we know God is calling us to reach and asking our entire church, like, hey, God is clearly calling us to reach the lost and those with recovery, either ahead of them or behind them, whatever it may be. Right. Um, it's obvious. And so that one, that one too is, I think, different in in plenty of ways. It's a clear, it's a clear calling. Yeah. That just makes sense with that as well. Um, another one might be the last one, unless I keep thinking about more, but um, if you are married to just talk about maybe your spouse doesn't want to tithe, but they are Christian. Maybe you're, if your spouse isn't a Christian, doesn't understand why you'd want to take the entire income. Um, and maybe from both perspectives, right? Maybe as a husband who's a Christian, it might look different if, you know, really, I guess it's whoever really runs the finances. So if you're someone who doesn't run the finances, you make your income or you're getting a certain amount that's like yours to spend. Um, What's, what's your, what's the steps moving forward? Like, do we try and force our household to start giving the 10 or is it like, no, whatever I get, cause I'm not in charge of the budget and my, and my spouse isn't giving, I'm, I'll just tie that. And, um, cause I, cause I know, you know, we just, we just had had someone reach out that, that felt like maybe that's, that's not enough. Am I not doing enough? Because, you know, everything that I get and that's a part of it. I want to give, but I'm not in control of all the finances. Um, so what advice maybe would you give for someone in that area? Uh, I don't, I'm, you know, I think it's, t- all right. So if your if your spouse won't tithe off their income, but you can tithe off your income, then that's a way to do it. I think if you're in a marriage where one of you isn't saved and one of you is, then that kind of is what it is. The weird thing about it, though, is we know unsaved people who tithe. (laughs) Mm. Um, And so I don't know why an unsaved person would tithe, would be more willing and obedient to tithe than a person who says, I'm a follower of Jesus. Mm. 
I don't know. It's hard for me because I I'm trying to make sure I communicate with empathy and compassion right now. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like I've also never been in that this, that situation, so it's hard to know exactly. I'm trying to just filter my thoughts and just say something that will injure someone. Right. I think. So anyway, you can tithe on your portion of your income. Depending on the level of your relationship, you just say, hey, I'd like to do this. I'd like to do this. And this is my dream. This is my heart. I'd like to do that. I'd like to figure out how we can do this. Hmm. I don't know of a good, I think a good spouse is going to listen to that. And say, okay, well, I don't agree with it, but if that's what how you want to do, like, you know, if I remember back in the olden days, Michelle's like, I'm going to go work at Target, so we've got money, whatever. I'm like, well, listen, if it's your dream, and that's what you want to do, you can go do it. Um, I'd rather you stay at home and cut coupons because I feel like that's going to add more value, and it'll probably add more money to the family than right doing that um but if it's your dream i'll support you in it yeah and i would say the same thing like well listen if you want to do that it means we can't do the vacation and we're gonna have to cut your streaming service and we'll have to do these other things but if it's your dream then fine we'll do it and i think that's how if i was a non tithing, a a spouse who didn't believe in tithing, if I wanted a good marriage, that's how I would handle it and say, well, I guess if it's your dream, go ahead. Right. I think hopefully your relationship and your relationship with God develops before that. So the non, the spouse who doesn't want to tithe or give to kingdom builders or give to the miracle offering. Right. Because I think it's maybe similar conversation. Yeah. Um, Pray about it. Read books together. So a couple of book recommendations. One is The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn, which is a you can a widely produced book. You can probably go to thriftbooks.com and get it for three bucks. The other one is The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. Mm-hmm. Those are two books to say, hey, can we read this together? And hopefully your spouse is going to, oh, I'm not a reader or whatever, but to study it and say, what if there is something more for our family? Like a big, what if, like, what if there is something, what if, and then even going through like, well, could we try it for three months and see if we even survive and give a chance for God to do a miracle and say at the end of three months, if we're worse off, then we can stop. Or can we just do it for three months and agree to three months is how many paychecks? Six. Can we agree to try it six times? Right. Maybe seven times if it's a three-pay month. Um, and that that those would be the conversations I'd be having. Um, those are the conversations I'd be having. Yeah, that's really good. And I and I probably keep having them until I I don't know something. So you have to go to counseling and and be counselor <laughs> about it probably. Right. Yeah, I think uh, 
Yeah, I think the one thing to always note is at its core, giving is a heart piece. It's something, it's something within, within us that we want, you know, you know, uh, with our intentions to, this is what I, I want to give all that, you know, that I can and, and work through that. I think there's a level of that to like, not feel like God's angry at me because my house, my whole household isn't giving, even though I'm giving all that I have control of to not like let yourself be condemned in that, but obviously still move forward in those conversations, I think is really important. Yeah. Well, listen, let's sign off because I have an appointment that just started. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. You so, already said the books, the blessed life. The books. Yep. Um, perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks for chatting. Get in that other meeting. Absolutely. See you later. Bye. Bye.